0: This is the Reading Teachers Lounge, where listeners can eavesdrop on professional conversations between elementary reading teachers. We're passionate about literacy and strive to find strategies to reach all learners. Shannon and Mary are neighbors who realized that they were literacy soul sisters at a dinner in their Atlanta neighborhood. Once they started chatting about reading, they haven't really stopped. Come join the conversation. Hi listeners, welcome back to the Reading Teacher's Lounge. This is season two, episode three, and I'm here answering some listener questions. We're excited to have some teachers join the conversation with us, so um, I'm happy to talk about it. Shannon is still recuperating a bit, so um, she'll be back soon and she's excited to be able to chat and um, share more information because it's been an exciting um, beginning of the school year for her. So today, I wanted to chat with um, everyone of our listeners about some important listener questions that we've received. Uh, We usually end our hashtag with join the conversation because um, in the Reading Teachers Lounge, we really want to make sure that everyone um, is able to use this time for some light professional development and that we're really making the most of your time. So, we've gotten some really great questions and some really wonderful feedback. So, thank you so much to those who have written us a review on iTunes and um, given us some emails or written on our Facebook page or sent us messages through Instagram. It's so great to hear from all of you. Um, We also have recently put up a post about uh, who our listeners are. We are really curious to know. So far, we've gotten a lot of feedback from veteran teachers people who have been teaching for 15 years or more we know that we have a lot of reading specialists who listen Um, we know that some professors are listening and hoping to use our podcast to reach pre-service teachers um, which we're really excited about that's really um, an important goal for us Um, and also we just want to reach teachers who are passionate about doing what's best for their students and another um Uh, I guess, motto saying that we use is when you know better, then you're able to do better. And I think that we can all, um, you know, dig down deep and and do that. So I want to um, talk about our first listener, Christy, who reached out to me. Christy is um, a veteran teacher of 15 years, and she taught high school English. And um, she also is a special education teacher and spent six years Uh, teaching students with learning disabilities. Um, Christy says that she does have some background on teaching kids how to read, but Because she was working with older students, it was a little bit difficult for her to really grasp all the components of a phonics lesson. So now she is tutoring um, a child, and she gave a really great rundown of all the things that she's done already starting to work with this child. So this child is in third grade, and she, quote, struggles with all aspects of reading right now. Um, The school has identified that her Fountas and Pinnell level is H., Um, Christy's already started using the Blast Off to Reading um, program with her, which is an OG-based program, um, and it uses a lot of um, electronic technology resources. Um, It doesn't have all of the components of a traditional Orton-Gillingham program as far as using the visual, kinesthetic, um, and auditory components together, but it does um, have kind of a multi-sensory-friendly approach. Um, It's not as Uh, prescriptive as a traditional Orton-Gillingham teacher, but it seems like a really great program, and I'm really happy that Christy has done her research and checked into that. Um, It does not require any traditional Orton-Gillingham training, Um, so I do recommend checking it out. I thought it was really great. Uh, Christy says that she spent a lot of time um, going over some words that have vowel teams in them, she also wants to do word sorts. She spends a lot of time working on the sight word level and working on sight words specifically determining which ones she knew, which ones the student did not know. Um, but her main question, which is such a wonderful, valid question, and it's one that all teachers struggle with, is how do you fit it all in in one hour of tutoring throughout the week or one hour of doing some intervention with students or however you can fit that time in, it never seems to be enough time. So Christy, you're totally right. And that's very true. So I think um, I do have some feedback then. Maybe I can share some some tips and tricks that I'm able to do or that I've been able to kind of hone in on um, when I'm tutoring students specifically since that's kind of my area. But I know Shannon has... Definitely, the exact same struggles as do every single one of our listeners. Um, teaching is not a linear path, and there it can be as prescriptive as you want. But humans are always going to be moving and changing, and they're going to come in with more inspiration one day than another. So, um, a really good piece of advice I just got, I would say, in the last year from another adult friend of mine. Um, is that we are constantly trying to juggle and find a balance in everything. And at the same time, not only find a balance, but be successful. Um, and it's just not always possible. So if you are juggling five things at once, take two of those things away. Don't put them off the, to the side forever, but just focus on doing three things well that day. And the next day, pick up another one and put another one down. But just focus on doing three things well instead of five things well. And and apply that to all aspects of your life because um, it does get easier once you have a system in place and you know once you know better and learn some tricks of the trade. But really just focus on getting something done well on a smaller scale. Um, and one of the ways that I would I I do have some ways that you can do that. Um, And the first part is really developing routines and rituals. And we know that the first six weeks of school, you spend a lot of time working on routines and rituals, making sure that you yourself as a teacher are very organized and you have that predictability um, so that you can do things quickly and then the students can anticipate what's happening. The same thing applies to tutoring as well. Um, you want to make sure that you have your rituals and routines in place. And once those are in place, then things can move faster. And I'll give you just a quick example. Um, During an Orton-Gillingham lesson, the first part is a drill um, that you do with the students. And when I was first um, being mentored, I was trying to just go through it way too fast, and the kids were not picking up on it. The goal of the drill is to flash a flashcard that has a grapheme on it, so let's say pH. The students are supposed to then have in their brain um, a picture cue that goes along with it, so the picture cue for pH is phone, and the sound that they're supposed to make, the phoneme, is for P H. So the way that the drill goes is they look at the card, they say P H phone and you go through. Um, we would drill all 44 phonemes plus, um, what we would do all of the consonants, all of the, uh, digraphs, all of the blends. So I was going through maybe a hundred cards And the goal was to try to get through them in five minutes or less. And my students had varying degrees of processing issues and I was frustrated, they were frustrated. It was just not working well. So what I really needed to do was back up and let the students know why we were doing this, what the routine and ritual was. And then once we got past this really hard automaticity drill, then we would do something really fun and they would know that so we would just keep going and keep plugging along until we could get to it it took probably 4 months to get really good at our drill and and that's um i think that that's fine it's one of those things that you just try to keep working on and chip away at a little by little and it does get easier Um, so in the beginning, maybe you're spending a lot more time doing the drill piece of your lesson and just getting the students to visualize the grapheme and visualize, um, how it goes. Of course, I did not have, at that time I was teaching in a trailer and I did not have a smart board even in my trailer. So everything that I was doing was using flashcards. So even for me, just manipulating the flashcards took a lot of I'm going to say stamina. It just, it was hard. It was something that none of us really wanted to do and get through. Um, but that's something that I've definitely worked on and really improved, changed up the cards, changed up my picture cues. And because it's something that I am not really excited about during my lessons, it's something that I have worked really hard to improve year by year. Um, so those routines and rituals are really important. The predictability is really important. And I know all of you teachers are going to nod your head when I say the management of your materials is essential. Um, and when, when I first started teaching special education, no, actually when I first started, my first seven years, it was seven years because it was five years in special ed, of different classroom every single year. It was exhausting. I could not keep myself together. I would look at other teachers who'd been teaching for 10 years at a time, and they'd had the same classroom, and I would just think to myself, why can't I just get it together? And by the time I had my classroom for the second, third year, I would say, in a row, it made things so much easier because I finally had established really good rules about where things belonged. We didn't deviate from those rules. Everything had its place, and it was easier for me. Um, Just, I'm not a messy person, but I am a person who doesn't easily find organization. I love being organized. I always want to strive to be there, but it is really kind of difficult for me to establish those rules and norms for myself. So if it's difficult for myself, then it's probably difficult for my students. Hint, hint, it was really difficult for my students. Almost all of them struggled with executive functioning. Um, And I do think that that's one of the harder parts of teaching and preparing teachers that we don't do a great job of, um, especially in elementary education when you are juggling a lot of manipulatives. I've also seen that when teachers are too overwhelmed by the manipulatives, um, either because the students aren't managing the materials appropriately or they themselves are not organized enough to utilize them, um, then they go by the wayside. But students really at this young age need to be playing and moving their hands and provided with hands-on learning opportunities. So maybe that's one of those balls that you start to um, you know, improve upon in, uh, you know, instead of just juggling it in the air. Um, it, it might be something that you kind of take on. Um, next is how do you streamline your lessons? What can you do in your lesson plan to help it streamline a little bit faster? And what are the goals? Um, a lot of times I find that when stu- when teachers are struggling with time, they often will assign homework. And I have to say, I was definitely one of those teachers. I have really come around and I've read some more research. And I- homework is just not an effective use of students' time after school. We definitely want them to apply it outside of school. However, um, if there's going to be a big fight, if it's something that they've, they're dreading, um, requesting extra work is very different than assigning homework. Um, I think extra work is is wonderful and it's optional and if students want to apply it great if a parent is taking is doing tutoring homework after on top of other homework it probably is not going to be successful Um, so i'm going to go against the homework side you should be trying to cover all of the important things and utilizing your time as best as possible during your tutoring sessions Um, and then following out with that when I do assign homework, it is a real life situation that we're going to talk about. So we are working on the PH phoneme, and I want to know, have you noticed this in your life when you were reading? Have you noticed any signs in your environment? Can you think of any new words that have that phoneme, the phoneme, the PH grapheme, um, outside of the lessons that we're talking about? Um, And The way that I kind of speak to my students about it is, did you hear my voice in your head when you were thinking about it? Did you recall back to that lesson that we were practicing? What did that sound like in your head? And I may model that really specifically for them so that the next time I ask them a question like that, they have kind of a way to grasp onto it. Um, Students aren't always used to um, tagging back onto their background knowledge, but that's a really important way to teach background knowledge. Um, next is make sure you use timers for yourself. Not only are they wonderful and valuable for students, but the students need to see that you are also utilizing a timer or a a bookmark or taking a pause. Um, you really need to be specific with your students about explaining all of the details about why you're doing what you're doing. They don't always have that that um, voice inside their head that's explaining why they're doing what they're doing. But if they hear you modeling that, it's really powerful for them. So um, my answer, Christy, is work on your rituals and routines and your predictability in your lessons. Um, Make sure that you have a good system for management of materials and realize how you streamline, how you can streamline your lesson. Um, work on real-life scenarios and speaking to students about how you are being mindful about how you're working. Use timers, bookmarks, all kinds of um, ways to improve your own executive functioning. And then um, I always overplan things because maybe during the course of my lesson, um, I want to change and and work on something else. So there's a lot of built-in flexibility. I have a set routine that I always follow Um, I may use a checklist with students who that benefits, and if it benefits you, use a checklist yourself. Sometimes I just use my own lesson plan that I've written out and and give a check every time we've gone through one of those tasks, Um, but we do set goals together, so be gentle on yourself. You're doing a fantastic job. Um, One of her questions was, how do I fit in word sorts? Well, I think that Adding in games to your lessons is essential because then it gives students ownership in the lesson that you're um, providing them and they can then apply it um, in a playful way. So I would not skip on the word sorts, but maybe you might swap in the word sort for a different activity and then pick up a different piece of the lesson the next time. For example, maybe instead of working on your um, sight words that week, you're going to do a word sort. Maybe um, instead of doing five sight words, maybe you're just going to address two and you're just going to talk about it that week and move on to the next topic. Um, see where you can streamline your lessons. So Christy, thank you so much for that lesson. It sounds like you're doing a fantastic job with your third grade student. Um, She's definitely getting a whole lot more from you with the one-on-one attention than she can get in her regular classroom. So um, kudos to her parents for hiring you. Kudos to you. Keep up the good work. We're so glad that you're listening. Um, Next, I have... Another listener question that has a little bit more um, specific to Orton-Gillingham questioning in it. So um, Holly says that she is a K-4 elementary school teacher in Indiana, um, and she participated in OG training through BrainSpring, and she's really loving it, which is great. Um, So she wanted to know um, what my typical tutoring session looks like. And um, I will say I love utilizing Emily Gibbons' materials. She um, founded the Literacy Nest, and she has um, amazing resources. And I've been using her materials for almost five years now, so I've really built up my library of materials. Um, and that has definitely helped because it's easy to then go back and spiral through the curriculum. Maybe there's something that we didn't work um maybe we didn't get as much traction the first time. So maybe then a month or so later, I'll circle back. I always keep a lot of post-its on my old lesson plans and say, return to this game, return to something else. Um, That that definitely helps me. So here is how my tutoring lesson goes. Um, Orton Gillingham says that you need to do at least a minimum of two 45-minute sessions per week. Um, and I do find that to be a very important um, guideline. I feel like the um, unfortunate reality is that sometimes kids cannot handle that, time, that load um, due to extracurricular activities. Parents um, are having a hard time meeting that Um, As well. So it depends on how the parents are working with me. So I'm going to just sort of detail how I would get through an hour long lesson because typically what I do is an hour long lesson. Um, And this is just generic. Holly's question is really um, related to working with older students, but this applies to all students. So the first part of the lesson is called the drill. And during the drill, you're going to um, write the letters of the grapheme, you're going to speak the letter names and also say the sound. Um, If it's a younger child or if they're still having trouble with that initial sound of the grapheme, then you're going to um, have them also use a keyword. So the way it would look is um, I have a card, they look at the card, they use a finger, and they will trace um, either on the table, in sand, uh, using a gel um, that's in a a Ziploc bag or something like that. And what we will do is go through the drill. The drill goes ch and they are writing and speaking or ch church. Um, then we're going to go through a review of a previous lesson. So what I'm going to say is, okay, last week, some of the words we talked about were ditch, patch, um, something like that. The with the goal in mind that I want the student to recall what we learned about last week. Maybe you have guessed it's the TCH trigraph. Um, TCH, and what I would want them to say is then this rule. TCH is used at the end of a one-syllable word with one short vowel and that's the rule that we've learned, and we would be practicing that in a number of different ways. That may be um, similar to the lesson that I'm working on that day. It may be a new lesson, but we do kind of a review at the very beginning. Next, this is where I was talking about having a little bit of flexibility. It depends on how intensive each of these tasks is going to be for the child. So this is where the prescriptive piece comes in. Um, Next, I would do a phonological awareness task. So that might be a listening game, a rhyming game, something that has to do with syllables. We may talk about word awareness or sentence awareness. Um, alliteration, initial sounds, phony manipulation tasks, and I have books and I have all kinds of activities that I sort of pull from. And that also comes from the beginning data that I collect when I first work with a student and I find out what their level of phonological awareness is. Next, we are going to work on handwriting. I prefer to use the Handwriting Without Tears program. Um, I may do one letter at a time. We may be working on a few cursive letters. We may be working on um, holding our pencil appropriately. We may be working on um, how the letter sits on the line. Uh, We may be working on just getting that magic C between the lines. It really depends on what the student is working on. Another um, another piece that I would rotate in would be sight word practice. And if you haven't listened to our episode about how to review sight words, I have some really great um, tips in there, and Shannon does as well. Uh, with the sight word practice, um, I do give some parents some homework assignments. All of it is fun and hands-on. You may have seen, um, and if you haven't, check our Instagram post, but um, at times I will put up some sight words by our light switches. And as my daughter walks by, I'll say, okay, let's spell the word. And I think the one that I have on Instagram is that. And so it's T-H-A-T, that. And she will spell it, say it, turn out the light. Um, it's a quick, fun little game for her. So those are some of the, like, that's like a, a little trick that I would assign to parents to do. Next, um, we may review some concepts for executive functioning. So it may be um, working on taking notes. It may be reading notes and finding the important words within it. It may be talking about a new strategy for writing down homework in your homework planner. It may be, it could be a variety of different things. Um, But I would say that um, with my older students, fourth grade and higher, I try to work on those executive functioning practice um, skills. Um, So those are the rotating pieces. After we do um, the drill, the review, and then one of those rotating pieces, phonological awareness, handwriting, sight words, or executive functioning, then we move into introducing the phonics concept. So in this piece, I'm going to provide an anchor chart and make sure that the students have some sort of a visual of their own for consistent review, and then we may review using a video clip or a song. Um, After we review the actual nitty gritty definition part, then we work on word sorts and we continually review back to the definition that we're working on or um, the visual that we're working on. So with word sorts, we may be noticing patterns. We may be learning specific spelling rules. We may be comparing similar patterns. And then after we do that nitty gritty practice, then we're going to practice using a game concept. And so this is where the students should be able to relay the concept back to the teacher, and I really like it when the students teach me, so they teach the teacher. Um, now, I'm going to talk a little bit about what the practice application of the Orton-Gillingham methodology is, and this is really like the meat of the lesson, and this is um, something that I, we call SOS, Simultaneous Oral Spelling. So what I want the students to do is dictate the words, and I have a really specific formula. I really want them to tap each sound of the word as they're writing, so they're going to be using their non-dominant hand as they're writing, and they're going to be tapping out the words. All of the words that I ask them to spell are going to be within the same family of the concept that I've been teaching them. Um, So if we're working on the TCH rule, I may just be using words that are all... Um, the vowel a and a th, tch sound at the end. Um, I may add in a couple more vowels for the next lesson. After that, I may add in some uh, some words that don't follow the pattern, such as the word church. So if we're doing church, c h u r c h. Hmm. I wonder why is the ch at the end of church, not T-C-H. Oh, er, are is not a short vowel. So it doesn't follow the rule. That's what I want the student to be able to state back to me. So I would give them a list of 10 words. Next, we do phrases. So the phrases would involve um, writing some of the sight words that the students have been practicing. So we might say, um at the church, uh, we might write, at the beach, we may write, he uh, plays catch, or playing catch, um, so that I can then see how they're applying some of their other spelling words, and then finally, we do a dictated sentences, and when we do the sentences, I do um, use a lot of uh, hand gestures, so I want the students to first listen to the sentence that I would read to them. So let's say that the sentence is the cat and dog catch and roll at the park. And I want them to then repeat it. The cat and the dog roll and catch at the park. I think I just messed up my sentence. should have written down a sentence to give you all. Anyway, what I want the kids to do is then pound every single word. I want them to keep it and hold it in their brain, which is fairly difficult for some students. And I want them to dictate that using capital letters, using spacing between each of their words, making sure that they're utilizing the spelling words and, um, And then I want them to go back and check all of their work and make sure that it is accurate. And I do grade them on that. Um, And then finally we work on reading passages. So that is the whole slew of my lesson plan. I do always have things planned for each one, um, each component of the lesson. Um, But I always build in a lot of talking time with my students, especially for the older students. Um, I want to make sure that I am modeling my thinking patterns for them, giving them um, a lot of examples of mindfulness, and I may ask them questions about how their brain is working. And I really want them to utilize language that they can then apply in the future, um, or in talking with their teacher or when they approach something that's difficult, I want them to be able to understand how they best think through problems and not how I best think through problems, but how they themselves do. That then leads to, um, self-assurance. It leads to making sure that they can do some self-advocacy, um, And I have found that to be really successful. I also find that it builds up students' self-esteem because they have a relationship with an adult who is willing to get on their level and talk to them about things that are difficult. They may not always give you the responses that you're expecting, but I think that that time to listen to them, especially when they don't have the words for it, um, is important. So I may just ask the question, Let it marinate for them for a while. Eventually, what I have found anyway, in a lot of my, with my students, is that they will then talk with their parents in those quiet hours um, about things that they're worried about. Or their parents will notice something and say, oh, how did you learn to do that? Oh, well, I learned it during tutoring. And and then it gets shared back to me, which I really appreciate. So I hope that some of these um, questions have been answered. I hope that you all are just plugging along. I know that this is a tough point of the school year because you're a little bit tired of teaching routines and rituals. You're still getting to know your kids. You've done all of your assessing and now you're really trying to hit the ground running and grades are due, all of this good stuff. Keep up all of the good work. Just take good care of yourself. Give yourself a break. Make sure that you're not taking on too much. And, um, you know, cheers to a great school year. Keep doing the great work. It was lovely to chat with you all tonight. Thank you so much for the listener questions. Please feel free to reach out to us um, at the Reading Teacher, no, at Reading Teachers Lounge. Sorry, I want to make sure I get this right. Reading Teachers Lounge at gmail.com. Uh, Our Instagram handle is at Reading Teachers Lounge, and you can find us um, on our Facebook page at Reading Teachers Lounge as well. Um, Please make sure that you share our podcast, if possible, to another teacher. And uh, am I missing anything else? I wish Shannon was here to tell me. I know that she'll be back next week. It was lovely chatting with you all tonight. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.